Hey, Bob. Hey, welcome to the Bob and Kevin Show. I'm Bob, that guy over there, whichever side he's on. Me. Yeah, you. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Kevin. All right, so hopefully we've got a live stream going here. Kevin's playing on top of music, so we've got music on top of music. <laughs> Gosh, I'm a uh, producer's nightmare. What are you doing over there? We are relatively <laughs> new to this live stream thing again. With me being the producer, Kevin did a much better job back when we were the Bob and Kevin show on YouTube. I guess we're the Bob and Kevin show on YouTube again. So Nice. Um, let, me, uh, let me fade this music out a little bit more. I know, Kevin, you can't hear that. I should work on that for the next time. So what do we got going on today, Kevin? Well, it's a Friday. I was telling you in the pre-show, I'm just trying to decompress from a fun week of not funness and uh, (laughs) trying to stay. Everyone's decompressing. Yeah. Trying to stay uh, on point here with tech and things like that. So the most interesting thing that's happened this week is we finally had some sort of tangible, if you will, reaction to uh, Dear Leader and his accounts. So I'm quite interested to see where that sort of pans out. What about you? Uh, I think that definitely hits on stuff we're going to talk about today with the accounts. Um, Those that listened to the last episode, Kevin and I had a little bet that we set up uh, related to (laughs) Dear Leader, how long his Twitter account was going to last after the peaceful transition of office, or we'll just call it the transition of office. And uh, Kevin was somewhere around the week. I was somewhere around in the minutes or moments category. And uh, apparently in an unprecedented move, uh, Dear Leader got his account booted or at least temporarily in timeout on Twitter for 12 hours. Facebook's until he's out of office. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Um and, you know, people are already saying, oh, we, Facebook's doing that because they're under scrutiny for the monopoly thing and they want to put their best foot forward for those coming to power. Yeah, hang on. I think I got an audio issue. Maybe. I don't know. I don't see any, I don't see any audio coming out for me on the stream. Hang on. I'm going to take a listen. Kevin, why don't you... Uh, talk to the folks about a little bit more of what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so, uh, Bob is, is, uh, hoping that, uh, we can get talking about section two thirty, um, kind of how that, uh, plays out with, uh, people, because you may be surprised to learn that some people actually do want it, um, repealed other than dear leader. Um, and let's see other things that, um, we'll probably get into today, Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's It's been a trying week. Um, maybe we talk about a little bit more about, you know, what happens with Facebook and Twitter and um, celebrity politician accounts, if you will. And then is this the year that we finally gave up on privacy? That's kind of something Bob has uh, dropped on me uh, a little bit here. And I want to say bluntly, I hope not, but I may be losing this battle ever so quickly. What do you think, Bob? Well, I think I'm still trying to figure out if I have audio. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, uh, 
Um, are you are you unable to hear yourself? Is that what we're going at here? Uh, oh, I can. Uh, yeah, I, I think I got myself going out now. Okay, good. Okay, maybe. Yeah, because this would be really weird if it was just me talking to me. At the beginning, it was just you talking to you. So, oh, yeah, oh that's gonna, fun. <laughs> I got to turn my monitor off. There we go. But I think now I am actually broadcasting audio out to the stream. Hang on. This is the this is the dangers of live, everyone. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'll just recap a little bit here. Section 230 is uh, that funny little law from the late 90s that basically said Facebook, well, of course, the future Facebooks, Google, uh, YouTube, and all that cannot be sued as they are merely... Um, content providers they are a platform they are not publishers of course that that area has been super gray lately um especially with uh president trump saying that um they should be sued and whatnot which is feels like a direct result of a of a temper tantrum where he gets you know little uh footnotes put on tweets and things like that um bob have you heard anything along the lines of he was irritated. I'm sure he was that he got put on a timeout for 12 hours recently. Well, that's interesting. Um, since he was banned from all social media, I don't think that he, I mean, I don't think we're aware if he was, you know, no inside sources, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, when he came back, he was a very well-behaved social media user and uh, I think he's, other than the video he put out right when he was out of timeout, I don't think, uh, I don't think that he has made any um, missteps so far. I mean, people will debate the video that he released where he sort of kind of conceded, but not really. Um, but yeah, I think his social media behavior for fear of that ultimate banning has uh, changed immensely. Immensely. So do you think, and I'm well, let's just speculate a little bit. Let's look into our crystal ball. Do you think the Biden administration or future administrations will do policy by Twitter or will they do something else? Um, and I mean, on one hand, if you want it straight from the source, you're going to Twitter. This came from this person. So, you know, a lot of times people say, well, how do you know President Trump? said that i think it's fake news and media i just went to his twitter feed <laughs> you know you know um so will joe biden you know be as on you know is he going to use it as much or will he just have people because i feel like like an obama used twitter pretty well used it once in a while for effect and then he delegated to his communications teams to really disseminate the the uh policies and whatnot through normal channels and and on social media but i don't know how do you think it'll be any different going forward well i think you bring up a really good point about how this administration the current administration the outgoing administration how the outgoing administration really has set the set the table set the tone for how social media can be used as part of an ongoing communication tool uh, I think that the Biden administration, it's in their best interest to, to take what they've learned, both positive and negative from that. And I could think they're going to continue to use it. 
one of the questions that I had, and I don't know if you have any visibility into this or not, but um, when President Trump did start to use Twitter quite regularly, the whole every time he did tweet something, then that became an official White House press release. Do you know if that protocol became <laughs> was because of Trump's use of Twitter or like, do you think they followed with that or do you think they led with that as a policy? Well, <clears throat> I think I think any world leader or state leader, if you say something in the public domain, no matter if it's on Twitter, on a napkin written hastily, I, I think it's gospel because you are a person of authority. It's always on the record at because you're a public official. So I don't know that he he, you know. I don't know that that's necessarily true just because, oh, he said on Twitter, so therefore it's law or it's an executive order, you know, because if that were true, why have executive orders and things like that? So I think it's a very good indicator from this particular president. If he says it on Twitter, it's going to happen. But I think a future Joe Biden will will use Twitter and things like that in moderation when we have national tragedies, when we have special events, because if you tweet 600 times a day um it's it's just noise you know it doesn't matter anymore so uh i i don't know i i really think that uh biden will will do a better job of it and he'll use his his press secretaries and and things like that to actually communicate these things much better when you have a press conference with the biden administration on tv it will no longer be about fake news and adversarial relationships with CNN and blah, blah, blah. It'll actually strangely go back to being substance. So that's what I think. Well, let's be careful, <laughs> but I do think you bring up, I think you do bring up a really good point though. I think the incoming administration is going to use these social media tools in a much more, what I would call traditional way um, where I think it's going to be a rare instance that Joe Biden is picking up a device and, you know, typing in all of his, you know, characters and then hitting send where I think Donald Trump is very much, you, you can almost tell when somebody, one of his people is doing a social media post for him because the tone is so different. Um, I don't think we'll ever know what a Joe Biden tweet actually, you know, looks like, smells like, sounds like. So I think we'll see a much more, I hate to use this phrase, return to normalcy um, in that situation. <laughs> but I think we will. Now, your comment about the press conferences, I think they will be more of what we're used to. I don't know if we can tag the word substance on them yet. Uh, I'm going to reserve the right for that. I'm sure that the press will find ways to, you know, which is what they're supposed to do, keep the leadership in check, keep them honest, call them out on their crap. And hopefully the Biden administration and whoever he selects as his press secretary will, uh, will handle things in a little bit different manner than what we've grown accustomed to. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I really do think my bet will hold pretty true that, and I can't, I'd have to review the tape basically on ignore, ignore, or, Inauguration day. Boy, why can't I say that <laughs> word? That's when Twitter will pull the rug from him. And it won't be because of what's already happened, even though I think they've got plenty. 
it's because Trump can't be saved from himself and he will do yet something else stupid. He did announce today, of course, he's not going to be at the inauguration. Why not? That, that doesn't help. You know, come on, man, build some bridges here. Shake some hands. Be like, yeah, it was a good fight or whatever. You know, congratulations. Any of that. But no. Um, so actions mean a lot here. And I realize we're getting into some juicy stuff here. But to pull it back to tech. Um, yeah, I, th- I still think basically inauguration day, he's going to say something stupid and then <laughs> get banned later that day for life. And that'll be that. <sighs> and then yeah he's pretty much only on twitter at this exact moment correct except uh, yeah but <laughs> his state-run media has now been spun off so fox news apparently isn't his favorite darling news media so he just gone to the next one some of these fringer ones so i expect he'll just land on something else now if you ask me twitter and facebook is where the action is just like cnn uh, Fox News, ABC, C, uh, CBS, NBC. That's where the action is. If you want to go to um, some fringe one, you're just going to be talking to less and less people. So I think this is really going to hurt him um, in the long run. And I just don't think he'll be able to save himself because he 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 is really what turned Twitter into the exponential growth of outrage, if you ask me. And it was outrageous before 2016. But starting oh, in 2016, yeah. it just got bad. And allow me to opine for a little bit, but I think Trump has a problem that a lot of us do or or did or still have, which is an addiction to social media. The addiction to the number of likes, the addiction to the number of followers, the addiction to the number of retweets the addiction of being able to slam dunk somebody on on twitter the ability to elevate yourself at somebody else's expense i would say he's 100 percent addicted to that and i think the best thing that he could happen to be constructive in president donald j trump's life is he gets banned from social media so he can wake up from this nightmare that he created himself and just getting, just get back to, hey man, just go back and host a TV show. Just, just go back and do that. Just relax. Just live a good life. Do you think he'll get a chance to do that? I mean, I guess someone's going to pay him yeah. to be on air. Well, just like people were saying today, you know, Josh Hawley, if he doesn't like the fact that he lost his book deal today, he can go self-publish himself. And I think Trump has enough influence and money. He'll find somebody who's like, yeah, <laughs> wherever this guy is, there's eyeballs because everyone loves a good car wreck. They're going to just be <laughs> like, I can't, I can't not watch this guy. And I follow him on Twitter, not because I think he is anything worth to look at other than he's a train wreck. And I'm just like, what's going to happen next in this story? And so, yeah, I do think he's going to be able to pull that off. And I do think he's the Trumps are the next Kardashian family, but like, like the Soprano version, like, like (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, I look at the Trumps as being like the most Soprano family that's ever really, truly existed 
um, in my lifetime, because I'm sure there's the mob and all that, but just, it was, you know, you think of the movie Casino and Goodfellas and, you know, all that stuff. So I think they're, uh, they're going to definitely get some airtime somewhere. Oh, for sure. For sure. Can you hear me in Skype right now, even though I'm showing the split camera? I sure can. Okay. Wow, you look so much better than me. I, I look like this, like, marshmallowy, blurry, like, like Olaf from Frozen is out in the summertime, melty. <laughs> I will tell you, online, your feed does look better. Um, I am still trying to figure out if my audio is actually making it out to the world. So, um, on the upshot, we only have uh, no... I don't think we have anybody online that will tell us if they can't hear my audio. So (laughs) (laughs) we can't be disappointing anyone. That's great. But I figured this would um, give you a a better straight on shot. So yeah, I think that, I think that the family, it's funny that you said they're going to be the new Kardashians. I think they might be the actual Kardashians right now too. I don't know. So, um, we had a couple things planned to talk about. We could probably start to get into those because I've given up on whether my audio's going out to the live stream or not. I know it's recording for Josh to edit it. Um, I know that I haven't done a live read in a while for Josh, and we're 18 minutes in. <laughs> do you do you have your script handy? You should probably I sure do. Paste that to me so I could participate every once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just so you know, this episode is brought to you by Beatty Bar Media. And who is Beatty Bar Media? Well, it's this guy we know named Josh. In fact, it's <laughs> Bob's son, Josh. But he's not just some guy. He's He's got like some audio engineering degrees and background and all that. So he's what makes us sound good. If, it, if only he could help our video. But the only thing that's going to help our video right now is if Kevin gets old Uncle Elon to give him a little bit of Starlink. You hearing me out there, Mr. Richest Guy in the World? Okay. <laughs> Newly crowned so, richest man in the world. That's right. Uh, Baby Bar Media is an online editing production company that specializes in music, podcast, production, and video. Oh, he does do video. Well, he can't fix my bandwidth. For creators Uh of all backgrounds, their efficient and reliable services will save you time and stress on any project. And let me tell you, I've got enough stress here for a lifetime. Um, But Bob, you probably can't see the gray in my beard, can you? I, I, I've been trying some of those men's products Nuh-uh, to make the really? gray go away. I really? totally did. And I realize, I realize that doesn't sound very machismo, Kevin. You're what? <laughs> hey, you know, why not? So anyway, continuing on here, what can uh, Beatty Bar Media do for you? Um, well, what they do for us is basically Bob and I show up, record, and then send all of our problems over to Josh, Josh takes that turd, polishes it up for us, and we put it online. And um, he can do that for you. Beatty Bar Media is offering a 10% discount on any project. For our listeners, you just go to Beatty-Bar.media slash BK Show to claim your discount, and he'll hook us and you up. Because why? Because we get a discount, too, for mentioning this. Yes, we do. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gishesky. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. 
And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Okay, so Bob, you sent me two articles. I want to start with one, and the headline of that one is Why Victims of the Internet uh, Lies Want Section 230 Repealed. So do you want to give us a quick synopsis of this story? And it's from CBS News, and we'll have uh, the link probably somewhere, or you can just yeah. Google it. So 230 has been coming up a lot in the news, um, primarily related to President Trump trying to make it a condition of some of the recent legislation that's been done as far as military spending, as far as uh, COVID relief or stimulus funds being distributed. He's really been harping on how he wants that repealed. And, you know, there's, I would say that there's good reasons behind that, but then there's also selfish reasons on his part. Uh, it's basically to uh, re- remove some of the protections that social media outlets have that make them different from newspapers. Uh, so if a newspaper prints a story that's libelous or slanderous or whatever that correct term is for printed media, the newspaper itself can be sued. Um, if someone on social media does similar, there's no responsibility on the part of giant social media company, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, parlor, the likes, um, there's really nothing that can be done. Now, where this takes a little bit less of a selfish turn away from President Trump is that if we dial back uh, several years to the tragedy that was the Sandy Hook massacre, families um, since that incident have been dealing with online harassment directly and real world harassment because they have been basically revealed to conspiracy theorists around the planet, you know, their names, their addresses, their telephone numbers. Um, and people will actually, um, not only cyber bully them, but actually threaten their lives and all those kind of things. Uh, as a result, uh, social media has no responsibility necessarily to remove that because as you know, there's flat earth conspiracies, there's QAnon conspiracies. Some of these things are starting to be removed. Um, but uh, section 230 would make social media much more accountable for the types of, you know, that kind of definite misinformation and disinformation or talking about conspiracies of things that actually happened where innocent victims that have to suffer from the tragedy continue to suffer because I'm going to use the term wackadoodles, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hunt them down online. So that's kind of the gist. This was uh, actually aired on CBS uh, 60 Minutes, I believe. Yeah, 60 Minutes uh, last weekend or about a week ago. So it was All very right. timely. And, and this takes a different slant on it than Dear Leader. So. All right. So, and then just to kind of round out, what are these people saying? They're basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, saying Facebook should be able to be sued for allowing these lies to be put on their platform. Is that basically the gist? Yes. Now it's not just for the monetary damages, the punitive, but the threat of being held responsible for the content on your platform. The ultimate hope is that this would minimize 
the type of content, this type of content from appearing and spreading so quickly. All right. I'm going to ask some questions and they're going to sound ridiculous potentially. So if you don't mind, play along, uh, Bob. Um, I always do. (laughs) So we've got Facebook who has a product and people come and use this product and um, people are mad at pe- uh, at the way people are using the product in a sense. Is that kind of ge- making it general and generic? Does that sound right to you? I think, yes, if you're making, yeah, and I kind of probably see where you're going here, but um, yes, I would say that that's <laughs> a major crux of the argument. Um, platform, not necessarily maybe being used as intended. Continue. Okay. So let's take it back to the newspapers real quick. So if the newspaper prints something that's called liable and liable, I think I said liable, but liable if it's incorrect. So you can be sued for liable. However, should the paper company be sued, Bob, also because their paper enabled the newspaper to print the liable? No. The same way that the internet service company that brings the internet to your home is not part of the 230 repeal. So the the, the actual delivery medium being the digital paper is not responsible either. Just the same way the the paper that the ink goes on is not responsible. It's the people who manage the printing of the paper. You're seeing where I'm going with this. So therefore, by your logic, and I agree... The logging company who created the paper, which then was turned into a newspaper, should not also be held liable. We we kind of have a line in the sand, right? The buck stops where the poop hits the paper, literally. Not the paper, not the trees, not the guy who cut them down. (laughs) And since you brought up Sandy Hook, this one's going to be like, oh, Kevin, are you really asking this? So gun manufacturers, should they be held responsible for... The murders that are perpetrated with their weapons. There's litigation continuously under um, under review related to that exact situation. I think it's something that the courts are going to eventually have to work their way through. The gun lobby, um, as you know, is very powerful, and they have people in the highest places of government and legal. Um, And that's something that will have to eventually come out in the courts, but people are actually trying that just as much as they're trying to do 230. So, all right. Or repeal 230. By by extension, the the mining company who uh, get the ore out of the ground and refine it into the metal that becomes the gun, you know, we would say, well, no, they probably shouldn't be liable, but some people would say, hey, you enabled them. So, as we continue on here with Facebook. But actually, you have to. There's a line that has to be drawn. The people that cut down the trees that go into the paper mills and become the rolls of paper, they're coming rolls of paper for all kinds of different reasons, not just for the purpose of being the newspaper. The iron that's sold their paper to that one. They 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 should have known that that newspaper prints libelous stuff. We made we sold metal to the company that sells guns. We we knew that. So I'm I'm being ridiculous, well, but, but I'm I'm just but we have to be playing right, it out. You're being ridiculous, but you have to be really careful because a paper can be sued for libel at this point. There's already court precedent. 
that already right. happens. That's why that's why papers are so careful about what they print. So, right. So there there's a line regard, in the sand where yeah, where liability begins and ends, and so that takes us to Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We would say right now that line in the sand is in front of Facebook, Twitter, meaning exclusive. They're they're actually in the safe zone. So you already mentioned one of my things. If Facebook um, weren't in this bubble, the line then gets moved back to, well, the internet provider, they're, they're moving the bits. They are excluded from this because they're just providing internet, how Facebook uses the internet. And then also by ridiculous extension, the power company who creates the electrons that eventually become the internet, you know. So what we're saying here to, or, what what this article is saying is and what president trump was asking or demanding i think is facebook and twitter should we should move the line behind them meaning they are not absolved from this right so they become the new york times they become whatever and then that's the delineation right um are they a, a producer or uh let's see what is it i can't even remember anymore are they uh, a publisher or are they simply a platform? Right. And Publisher of course, their platform. lawyers will say, oh, Mark, Mark and Jack, you should always say we're a platform because that gets us into the Section 230 immunity. So I just I just like sometimes asking pointy questions and whatnot so that, you know, we kind of have a similar analog in a non-tech world with guns and with newspapers. So I'm just kind of playing it out because I'm not actually sure where I come down on section 230, except for one, one potential fly in the ointment, which is, Oh, we've been doing this 20 some odd years with section 230. How do you just take it away? Well, I think that one of the things that's hopefully going to happen is that the internet companies or not the internet companies, the social media platforms, publishers, publishers are going to step up. And that was actually one of the highlights of this, um, this 60 minutes piece for me is that, you know, Lenny Posner, whose son was a victim of Sandy hook has basically taken it and created a, a, an organization that will basically reverse bully the social media platforms and he has been quite successful. His organization has been very successful at getting material that is deemed inaccurate, false, and misleading removed from these platforms. And the fact that, see, one of the arguments that the, the platforms were hiding behind for so long is that this problem is just too out of control. We can't be expected to monitor everything all the time, yada, yada, yada. But the fact that they're being shamed into creating better tools, removing things that are brought to the attention in attempting to shut these down gives me hope that eventually they're going to change of their own accord and 230 might become irrelevant. All right. So, and now for something similar yet completely different, but within the bubble here, I'm not changing the topics. Pornhub, not that long ago, um, MasterCard pulled out of uh, their website and then PayPal uh, a few years ago, and it got um, Pornhub to 
get rid of most of their content because why it was unverified content. It was just a free for all. Literally you could upload anything and then they would just show it. So if you remove section 230, what happens with say Facebook or YouTube, let's go with YouTube. Would you, uh, basically YouTube becomes liable for any video posted to their platform. And then you'd mention, well, it's just so big and we just can't be expected. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe this breaks up the monopolies because if YouTube can no longer say it's too big, we can't, we can't uh, possibly look through it all. Maybe they say, well, guess what? Um, you are liable for it. And um, you maybe only have a hundred thousand videos and guess what? Now there's other YouTuber or YouTube platform or similar platforms. And they're in charge of their hundred thousand videos because that is manageable. And then there's this other platform. So maybe it's also a weird case to allow um, monopolies to not exist by getting rid of section 230, because now you're forcing your platform folks to actually have to deal with what's on their platform and actually manage it. And if it's too big for it, you don't just say, oh, well, it's so big when we're making so much money. Well, at least we can't get sued right now. You can get sued. So part of me is actually in favor of repealing section 230 um, for reasons of monopolies. Is that a crazy thought? No. And let me actually expand upon that because I was thinking very similarly. Um, let's just say for sake of argument, and you've already made this point too, that it is too big, you know, um, that they can't monitor, they can't control, they can't, you know, all this good stuff. Um, doesn't this open markets up for smaller companies to innovate and be able to become um, partners with those larger platforms to provide a service that those platforms could not provide. A couple things happen there. It creates innovative channels. It creates smaller companies. It in effect almost breaks up the monopoly because they're sharing it. And it also takes some away some of the massive profits that these companies are making because they're going to have to outsource to these um, innovators for content mediation and moderation. So I, I think that there's some potential upsides. So can you think of any major downsides to this other than it puts Facebook, Google, YouTube, etc., Twitter at peril almost immediately? Do you have to grandfather in your current content or do you say, you know what, your current content isn't grandfathered in and guess what? Either shut it all down and bring it all back in once you do, you know, vouch for it. Yeah, so help help let's say section two thirty is repealed tomorrow. You are in charge of the bill and it's gonna get passed. What do you have in there, Bob? What do you what are you getting rid of? If anything. I think maybe it, you don't I think I think as a result of the repeal, there's probably going to be some stipulations in there where they have uh, X amount of time to eliminate content related to xyz and then there will be a auditing commission probably set up to help them set up their self-monitoring or auditing and you know so that i mean there'll, there'll be lots of pieces involved here but at the end of the day i think this is one of those things that's going to save a generation um from what we've had to endure so if I were to create a website of nothing but woodworking videos and we were really good at woodworking videos, we knew blah, blah, blah. I think that would become a niche 
And if you had another website that was really good at, you know, whatever, that become niche because then you can actually manage the content because you have content experts. I can't imagine a scenario with Facebook or YouTube specifically where they could even hire the right amount of people because their platform is anything goes. So I think in a twisted way, I did not expect to kind of like be in favor of section 230 before we started this podcast. I know. I just hadn't really thought too much about it. Um, Maybe we do need to get rid of it. Um, Maybe it is the reason that there is basically no resistance to Facebook or YouTube out there because we've basically taken away what liability we've taken away. I mean, just think of the insurance (laughs) most companies have to have and they make decisions based on risk and things like that. So I really feel like section 230 in a way has shielded and maybe this is like, well, duh, Kevin, that's what section 230 is shielded these companies from liability and maybe we do need to put them in some sort of peril just like the rest of us and we make decisions based on well you know that could get us in trouble that could be bad for business etc etc yeah they need to be making these choices i think you might have changed my heart and mind (laughs) (laughs) well but i know i know that you and i have had this conversation before um and you know I knew where you kind of stood and I knew that you kind of, you know, had reluctantly, whether you wanted to or not kind of realized that, you know, maybe this two thirty needed to be there, but I was really hoping by sharing that article and that, that approach to it, that you would kind of see it that way too, you know, soften up a little bit on it. (laughs) Yeah. The the article itself doesn't really like move me a whole lot because, you know, if and also correct me if I'm wrong here, but they know who it was, or they can at least find out who it is, even though it's an anonymous person. Blah blah blah. Well, on Facebook, it's a real person. There's no such thing as aliases, so there's that. But you can sue that person for for slander slash libel. And I just looked at the article going, but they wanted to go for the ones with the deep pockets, and that's obviously Facebook. That's you know. You know, Fred, who said all the slanderous, libelous stuff, he's got two nickels to rub together. But Facebook, that's the one who's. But got it the wasn't deep even about. But it, it's not about a financial payoff. It's about resources. One single family who is, you know, so you've got the COVID, the COVID family, the people who've been threatened that, you know, because they brought, they started the COVID pandemic. Um, they're only two people. They're only two people plus a law firm. You know, you can't, you can't. That stuff travels so fast across the internet, and anybody who retweets it, reposts it, or adds their own social commentary to it, there's no way that that one individual or that one individual in a law firm can track all those people down and cease and desist them. We're not even talking about the financial part of it, but if you go for the head of the dragon, where that vehicle is the vehicle that allows them to do these kind of things, that allows a flat earth conspiracy to spread around the around <laughs> the globe. See what I did there? Um, but yep. you know, so so that's what they're trying to do. It's not about financial gain. It's it's about being able to stop the flood of of just lunacy. Count count me as um, I am sympathetic to that. But the world is always about money. You know, 
Yeah, they want to stop that, obviously, because that makes them look bad. Or, and if it's not true, it comes back to our conversation of Bob, I can just keep a diary uh, in a server in a database of you and anyone I know. And I can just start licensing access to this server and be like, yeah, Bob, this, Bob, this. And then you're like, hey, is that, is that, what are you saying about me? And is it true? Hey, 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 you got to, in fact, if you want to know what I'm saying about you, you got to sign up for a subscription. Then you'll know. And then if you don't like something about it, then you have to petition us, you know, and, and go through our process. And then I could be able to say, you know what? Section 230 tells me that, you know what? Um, as long as this is a crowdsourced um, platform, that I can keep all this incorrect information right. on you, Bob, because I'm just a platform, you know, anonymous people are the ones that are actually putting this information. In. You'll have to go after that, them, uh, if you really want um, this to be resolved. But Kevin, can't I just have you delete it? Well, I could, but we have policies and um, the policies don't allow you to change it. You're going to have to have the person who posted it decide they want to change it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can understand how Facebook is basically doing this. You know, we you have to hold your hat in both your hands with your head tipped down and say, Mr. Zuckerberg, will you please stop sharing these things about me? pretty please because i know i can't sue you and it's at the mercy of your, you and your platform and your billions of dollars that you're trying to protect and shareholder value but would you please stop doing this and they can <laughs> say nah <laughs> exactly. so is that what you're getting at bob yes exactly exactly what we're getting at um man so all right I did bring up the pandemic because that was also part of the story. You know, they were some of the people that have been victimized by this spread of mis and disinformation, but we're going to pivot a little bit around the global pandemic that we're still in the middle of newsflash in case anybody's listening that uh, believes otherwise. But, um, you know, we didn't really do a year in review show or anything like that this year, but we're going to take a couple moments to actually take a look back. I found another article that I shared with Kevin and, uh, it was basically, how uh, the COVID-19 pandemic basically produced the, the year that we gave up on privacy in 2020. And the article talks about how the prolific, uh, you know, adoption of the Zoom platform, which really hadn't spent, and we did touch upon this early in the pandemic, how Zoom really hadn't spent a whole lot of time and energy on the idea of uh, privacy when they were developing their platform and they kind of had to make it up on the fly and had some hiccups along the way and uh, just tons of things related to remote school, remote work, uh, absolute integration of technology for folks that have never really had this deep integration with technology and how privacy really, even though it was already... <clears throat> You know, obviously, Kevin and I have strong opinions about privacy, but how privacy really did, it was the, the year the, the privacy died, in my opinion. I think Kevin might have slightly different thoughts, so take it away. Oh, it, well, it may have died, but it doesn't mean I'm okay with it, and nor should we give up <laughs> the fight, because <laughs> at, some, at some point, you know, there's got to be, just like we talked about um, Section 230, at some point... We got to put our foot down and say, this is the line. You keep crossing this tech company. You were in the wrong. But the problem America has is we don't have any lines in the sand. All we have is um, people who like to shout 
a lot and don't actually make any laws or anything good of it. At least Europe has GDPR and it may be terrible implementation and all that. And the, you know, I don't know because we don't really have it here, but I think we need to start with defining what we should be allowed to do and what we should be able to keep private because right now we're still in that free for all. Well, since there's no law, I guess we're going to do it. And that's, that's like the wet dream of a lot of libertarians. Oh, you know, keep it as anarchy as possible. Free market. That's what we want. <laughs> Innovation. You know, because everyone says, oh, well, the less rules you have, the more you innovate. Well, that's true. And, and the more blood sucking vultures you also uh, give birth to. So at some point, we got to decide whether or not we're OK with blood sucking vultures or um something else and i don't want to give up and be like well the vultures are here what are we going to do about it shrug my shoulders and go uh well at least i got streaming you know i i don't i don't want that bob is yes. is privacy dead oh well privacy's been dead um i just thought it was <laughs> i mean we could you just want to get me riled up and it worked well, but the whole thing is that, you know, all right, so let I'm going to take a sharp backwards turn on this is that, you know, that time I mentioned that we didn't do a year roundup thing. We didn't do any kind of flashback because, you know, to be honest, when I suggested it, Kevin kind of was like, meh. And then I kind of came around to that idea too. And you see that in tech media, all media, they really forced some hands here and I think, you know, they came together around some ideas about, you know, Zoom having trouble with privacy and, and they decided that they decided that they were going to that Recode was going to put their stake in the ground and say that the 2020 was the year that privacy died. And uh, privacy has been dying a slow death since the early 90s, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I think we just need to have some real talk with some people who understand technology with the lawmakers and allow people to opt in and opt out of data collection, similar to what GDPR is. And it should be easy to do. It should be overt. It shouldn't be like this really, how do you do this? Um, you know, maybe we have a do not, do not track list. Wait, I think we do somewhere, but you know, it's not <laughs> respected. Um, you know, iOS, you know, God bless them. I hate Apple for a lot of reasons, but I like them for the whole idea that they told Facebook to pound sand with iOS 14 and be like, nope, we're going to tell these people you're grabbing their information and you have to have a little blurb of tell them what you're going to use their information for. You know, good on I mean, it's a good start. It's not the end all be all. But on my phone, my five going on six year old Android phone here, you know, I don't have the option to be like, you know what? <laughs> No, stop sending my information. They're taking it without permission. And I think we just need to have some sort of glo well, global, not global, at least national standard of here's what your what the protocols are, just like we have HIPAA and uh, things like that. Here's what the protocols you need to do to handle information. And it needs to be revocable, period, end statement. Well, it's funny that you brought up uh, GDPR and a national standard. Do you remember way, way back? It seems like it was about a half decade ago now, but it was only 12 months. Uh, 2020 started with California 
um, announcing their data privacy standards, which was very much in line with GDPR, but it was just for the state of California. Um, do you remember that? Vaguely. And now that you bring that up, of course, I have a question, Bob. How's that going? Well, I think within the borders of the state of California, I think it's going as they had intended. I think the big thing, the big takeaway is that other states were preparing to follow suit, larger states, and then the pandemic came, which is theoretically, we don't know this to be true 100%, but the theory is, is that those legislations, those bills were put on hold because there was so much of a focus on how to deal with the pandemic. So once we do start to normalize, <laughs> hate saying that term too, um, it may give legislators time to refocus um, on implementing. But the, the, the fact that it's got to be done on a state by state, why can't we just leapfrog? I mean, GDPR was well, all of Europe, right? The European Union? Allow, yes. Or, and it applies to their citizens regardless of borders, which has its own problems, right? Because if you're a European citizen and you're in the United States, technically that's supposed to apply to you too. Um, but that being said, I have a problem with doing state by state for obvious reasons because the internet is considered inter interstate commerce, not um, per state commerce, not intrastate. So... We need a national standard because we can't have 50 different laws. It's just right. untenable. And um, it doesn't even work as GDPR will will kind of, uh, I don't know if they'll admit whoever runs GDPR or whatnot or whatever. GDPR doesn't really work either. You can't just say, oh, this applies to anyone in any country as long as they're an EU citizen. The fuck it does. You know, this is my <laughs> country. I can do whatever I want. And then the only recourse that uh, the GDPR folks who are looking to uh, get relief from any so, sort of um, infringement is, well, if they have assets in our country, we can go after those assets. We can find them. That's why it's really weird, you know, because uh, Facebook has a lot of servers in Ireland. Suddenly that became a thing, you know, hmm, crap, we have servers in a country now that is actually interested in GDPR. Um, and then that's why you have several countries that say, ah, if you want to do business in our country, you got to put your data centers here. Why? Because when you don't play nice, we get to seize all your stuff. Have a nice day. And <laughs> I can totally get that. But it totally goes against the concept of the Internet. If I want to talk to somebody or whatever, there's data that's in flight and there's data that rests. So really, basically, all we're saying is that data at rest is the only thing at peril because the data in flight. It's crossing many countries at a time, which law. So does the law apply because I passed through your country and does it apply because you wrote a law that says that to be true? Now, are we actually having physical lines and router uh, protocols route around your country because of that? Oh, my gosh. You know, why can't we all just get along? You know, of course we can't. We're human. We're humans. We all have different time zones and metric system imperial system and fahrenheit and celsius you know it's just humans right do you think <laughs> given that statement on humanity do you think that we'll ever get to a point where there will be um 
like a big seven, a G eight or whatever, you know, like a, a large collection of nations that bridge beyond or bridge into data, data protection as a human right instead of, you know, I mean, not instead of, not like I'm minimizing. I mean, these global communities do come together and come up with some, you know, some great legislation to try to protect humanity in general. Do you think that data is going to start to leak into those conversations? Um, maybe as lip service, but nothing tangible. And why do I say that? Well, I have a co-host who coined the term data is the new oil. So there's that <laughs> bullet point number one. And I don't know if I coined value, that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, we're just going to say you did and let somebody else argue otherwise. TM. <laughs> so there's that. So there's, there's uh, so much value in data. Why would you just not use it like you would any other bargaining chip? And then secondly, just look at what our what the five eyes do if, if I put on my Snowden hat here and spying in data, we don't even, we don't even pretend to follow any sort of data privacy as a government. So, I mean, maybe as lip service, but in reality, heck no, because everyone's going to say national security reasons. We can't do this or whatever, or they'll just tell us that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can do all. Yeah. You're protected, but in the back, the CIA and NSA are really doing X, Y, Z. So, no, I don't think so. I think this is always going to be some sort of political football, some sort of way. Maybe Section 230, to take it back to that briefly, is kind of the way around that because you got to put these companies in peril uh, in order for Joe User to be able to do something about it. Otherwise, you know, so no. What about you? Do you think the G8 or G20 or whatever will come to Jesus, if you will, on this? I think that it's going to, ha- even if it is lip service, I think it's going to have to become a more, um, a more prominent global conversation because, you know, digital privacy is definitely a, a global concern, a global issue. I know that they have some committees and task forces that are, you know, still looking into that, looking into that topic, but you know, how many, how long do you have to be looking into it? When, when can they act? So um, you know, that's, well, that's kind of where, where I lie on that. My third thing is, is watch C-SPAN during one of these meetings or, or hearings, if you will. They have no idea. No idea. They meaning the people, the decision makers, what it is they even are dealing with versus, let alone, how do we fix it? I mean, there's just no way what it, it'll come down to what's better what's best for me the politician and how can i profit you know same song and dance everything and when they don't understand it they'll just look to their party and say hey party what's our stance on this oh it's this okay i guess i'm against section 230 no wait no we're for oh we're for it sorry i was just corrected i am for <laughs> section two, you know whatever that is <laughs> That's why we need to find some way to enhance um, the digital literacy within our governing bodies. I mean, I don't want to sound you, ageist. I didn't say younger. I said digital literacy. <laughs> but I'll say we, it. Dial we got that some up. old people in, in Congress that just don't get it. Yeah. And they're not staffed or their staff is too frustrated to, to try to educate them. So, yeah, we need some new blood for sure. Well, um, I don't even know. New blood's going to, I mean, we need like, I, I don't think you'll have it, people who are experienced enough. Like, I don't know what the average age of a congressional member is, but it can't be young. 
right? And, you know, I'm in my 40s, you're in your early 50s. We're still kind of the youngsters of it. I'm in 50. Come on. (laughs) Well, you're not exactly. You're 50 50 to 51. So you're in your 50 plus. Do you know know what I learned today? Ted fucking Cruz graduated from high school the same year I did. Ted Cruz looks like a used car salesman. I've said it before. He looks like, or uh, some sort of lawyer that's going to like, I don't know, take like 50% or more of the settlement, you know, blah, blah. He just looks so shysty. I just assumed he was older than me. So that makes me sad. (laughs) He he does look pretty rough. Not going to lie. I do want to use this as a transition slash pivot point to, um, so I had a fan reach out today. Not going to, can't confirm or deny that he's a blood relative, but uh, a fan did reach out today. <laughs> oh, say we have a fan? <laughs> yeah, actually he is. He's my, um, he's my wonderful Uncle Tom, lives down in Florida. Uh, he requested that we find lighter topics to discuss. So I don't know if we can put it on our possible 2021 oh. resolution radar to get back to laundry folding robots and the like, or <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, I'm asking, yeah, in my own head, what's a lighter topic? So, well, so laundry folding I laughed, robots. I laughed too. I said, I said, you know, we're talking about technology and there's not a whole lot of lightness in technology right now with data privacy issues, the way that the internet can influence thought and action, um, the way that the machinery behind the internet is designed specifically to influence thought and action. So, I mean, there's a lot of dark topics. So I get, I get the pureness of heart where he's coming from. And in my pureness of heart, I would love to get back to some of those lighter topics too. I just don't, they're just not easy to they're just not on the surface and easy to find. Like, I don't want to be that new segment that throws in the, Hey, and here's your 15 seconds of puppies in a pile. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I, so, so what you're telling me is the fam of the show has got a list of topics clearly ready for us because topics are easy. No, because he's a true fan of the show. He's very much like us in the, in, in the regard that uh, that he doesn't have a list of topics either. Yeah, so, by the way, topics are hard. In fact, half the time, Bob and I are like, what are we going to talk about? Because uh, as much as our fan likes the lighter stuff, there's a lot of lighter stuff shows out there. Um, there's this week in tech type shows. There's, hey, did you want to code with that new technology thing shows? But there's not a whole lot of people asking the tough questions. Um, that's kind of what we do. Um, so I'm I, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying, gosh, I'm trying to trying to think of some good topics. So we'll, we'll take that to task here. I think. That Just being that right said, <laughs> if the producers at Twit. Would like to pick up the Bob and Kevin show and pay for Kevin to have some higher speed internet. We would, we'd totally oblige. <laughs> totally would. All right, Bob, what else we got? 
I I got nothing else left today. I get a little exhausted trying to figure out my audio, and I still don't know if it made it to the live stream. But I do know it's being recorded for Josh, so I think we're good there. That brings up a really good topic, right. though. If you're watching the live stream and you're not hearing my voice, I'm going to ask Kevin to repeat this when I'm done. If you just found us on Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook Live, we're actually a podcast, and we can be found all over the place. Bobandkevin.show is the actual uh, website address, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, just Stitcher, you name it. Uh, Pandora, we're on iHeartRadio. You can talk to your um, digital assistant and ask her to play the Bob and Kevin show or them to play the Bob and Kevin show. And and all of a sudden the latest episode will come up. So Kevin, I'm going to ask you to repeat that just in case my audio is not going over the live stream. <laughs> Is there a is there a copy paste version of that? So I I got to be honest with you, Bob. If if it's only been my voice this whole time, people dropped off a long time ago. But you can still find us on our podcast at Bob and Kevin Show and a bunch of other places. In fact, if you just Google Bob and Kevin Show, somehow, some way, by some grace of some Section two thirty protected search engine, we show up very <laughs> uh, relevantly at the top. Pages and pages and pages of places to to capture the Bob and Kevin show. Yes. Man, we, we have many dozens of people who listen. Yes, we do. We, we're, we're slowly growing and we're hoping this live stream stuff gets it. And uh, maybe one of these days, Bob will figure out uh, how to work the, how to work the, the, the switcher machine. <laughs> and, and uh, Elon, if, uh, if you would please return some of my phone calls, I do need some better internet here. Yep, and flip us a couple Bitcoin because I know you got some to spare. All right, I think we're heading out of here. Catch us in a week or two. We'll get this live stream thing figured out. But listen to us wherever podcasts are found. Have a great week. Say goodbye, Kevin. Bye, Kevin. <laughs>